I notice that that is where people get stuck is that we get too busy. We get too in a pattern. If that's in a relationship with ourselves, with someone else or God, and we, we create expectations, we create assumptions, we create blockages for us to actually be present with, okay, what's happening today? Where, where is that dance at? And it's also confronting because sometimes when we, we're in that dance and we wake up that day and we check in where we're at, we might not see what we want to see. <laughs> we might not see what we expect, what we, what we quote unquote want. And that's, that's difficult. So why not just like default back to the pattern that, you know, helps us not see the things we don't want to. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Amplify What You Love. I am Kaylee Marks, your host. And on today's episode, I am interviewing relationship coach and bhakti yoga teacher, Damodar Cordua. He is also the host of the Empowered Connection podcast, which I highly recommend to anyone watching this. Now, he came on the podcast last season, but I had such a good time with him and we had such a vibe. I knew I needed to bring him back on. And I feel like on today's episode, we really dove deep and I know that you will get a lot of value from it. We talk about how to build strong romantic relationships, how to honor differing spiritual paths or how to honor someone who is quote unquote not on a spiritual path. We talk about men's work. We talk about cultivating community. We talk about how to find union in ourselves without even needing anyone else. And we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. And if you stick around to the end, I will give you an action step, something that you can take away and implement and apply into your life. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do too. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Damodar. Damodar, welcome. So this is round two. And for those listening, if you have not checked out my first interview with Damodar, it is it is a good one. We got, we got into a ton of stuff and I interviewed you more about your background and where you're coming from and your life, where you were raised. We got into some really juicy spiritual topics, relationship topics, and I, I knew I wanted to have you back for more. But for those who have not listened, would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself and what you're up to in the world for those who might be just getting to know you now? For sure. Well, first of all, it's always an honor and a pleasure to be with you, Kaylee. Uh, I, you know, in getting to know you since the first time that we met when you came to Tucson with that interview, um, I just really feel blessed to have you in my life. So feeling so mutual, man. <laughs> I love it. No, feeling so mutual. And I'm really excited for your podcast and the new um sort of format that you're bringing forward now and your intentions and excited to be honored to be a part of it. Um, I'm in Tucson, Arizona. And my wife and I run a wellness business, a healing business together. And we do a lot of different things. I specifically work with couples and individuals as a relationship coach and also a life coach. I also am a yoga teacher and have been a yoga teacher for over a decade and run yoga teacher training programs. 
And I'm also a, a spiritual practitioner. That's a big part of my life as well. And in sharing that to, with others, yoga wisdom, yoga philosophy. And my wife, um, she's an herbalist and an Ayurveda practitioner. And she creates a beautiful product line called Baba Wellness that we sell wholesale around the world. And we also have a shop where we sell it. And we also have a healing center where we do all of our um, services out of in Tucson. That's about it for, I guess, that's a, that's a nutshell. <laughs> I'll also throw in there that you are the host of the Empowered Connection podcast, oh, which is a fantastic show that uh, you got off the ground this year. And I really recommend that my audience go check it out because you're sharing really authentic, really useful, and really grounded, connected truths about how to build intimacy, how to build connection, not just romantically, but in any in any relationship. And it's it's really good. I really recommend everyone going to to check it out. And you know, what I wanted to do, because this is I'm not a hundred percent sure that this will be the first episode that gets published, but I have an inkling that it will. And so this is the inauguratory, if that's a word, episode of Amplify What You Love. So for those listening, the podcast was called Be On Air, and now we're transitioning into Amplify What You Love. It is a broader umbrella so that I could really bring you all the kind of content that I think will be of most value to to you, to yours, to, to everyone. So what I thought would be a cool place to start if you're down, Damodar, is like what's live for you today? Because I had this vision of being in partnership and it's like every day when we go to bed whether we sleep in the same bed as our partner or if we have separate beds or if we're single anyway with our with our relationship with ourselves it's like a new opportunity when we wake up to choose to commit to love to to each other and it's like every day is a new is a new thing it's a new initiation it's a it's another choice you know it's not just a given and so i think kind of connecting into today I'm curious what's live for you in, in the relationship world, in the communication world, in the yoga world, wh wherever it feels most relevant. But yeah, what is live for you today? I love your statement and like reflection and question. And uh, I guess what comes up for me when you voice that is, yeah, th it's, you know, the, the relationship with ourselves. And this is sort of what my podcast, it's the nugget of what my podcast talks about, but the relationship of, of our, um, the relationship we have with ourselves, with other beings, if it's partners, friends, other living beings, and our relationship with something bigger than that, whatever that might be for you, if it's God, the divine, the universe, mother nature, all those are in constant shift they're dynamic, even those that are philosophically like our essence, right? They're a given, but the, the, the dance of them is always happening and always shifting and always changing. So I love that you brought that, that framework in because I, I think in my own little tiny way, I love to navigate and become more aware and more expert and more attuned to that dance. And there's tools that we can bring in our life and perspectives that don't solve things. <laughs> they don't solve things, but they actually allow that dance to become a little bit more intimate, a little bit more 
uh, beautiful. Like if someone were watching it from afar, like, wow, that couple in the analogy is really, it's a beautiful dance. So, yeah. So I think when you bring that up, that that's where my, my mind goes. And I, I love that dynamic that each stage of a relationship with a partner is changing. We go from one area to the next stages in relationship with ourself. And if we have a relationship with something higher, like the divine or God, you know, I'll speak for myself right now. Like I'm going through a certain stage in it <laughs> and it's, it's uh, part of it is beautiful. And part of it is also a little difficult right now. And I think that's true, right. With, with all those relationships. And if we're learning to become more expert as that dancer, we wake up every day and we are receptive. We tune in, we take the time to, really see where all those relationships are are at. And I notice that that is where people get stuck, is that we get too busy. We get too uh, in a pattern, if that's in a relationship with ourselves, with someone else, or God. And we, we create expectations. We create assumptions. We create... Uh, and in, uh, blockages for us to actually be present with, okay, what's happening today? Where Where is that dance at? And it's also confronting because sometimes when we, we're in that dance and we wake up that day and we check in where we're at, we might not see what we want to see. <laughs> we might not true. see what we expect, what we, what we quote unquote want. And that's, that's difficult. So why not just like default back to the pattern that, you know, helps us not see the things we don't want to. So that's, that's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm feeling. I get this picture of actually Kung Fu of this idea of like perfected Kung Fu masters would almost like neutralize each other in a battle. And it's not that there's not a fight going on. But it's the dance of, you know, a punch is perfectly blocked and it's mm. it's met with, as they say, like chi sao or sticking. You know, there's this yin yang dance that's happening. And when you were talking about becoming more adept at handling what, you know, rather than calling it a problem, not that you said that, but some, you know, people think of conflict and relationships as a problem totally. that will never go away. We will never have a day. Maybe we'll have a day, maybe, you know, hopefully we'll get a few days here and there of no conflict, <laughs> but for the most part, conflict's inevitable. And so this ability to navigate that in a graceful, loving way, both for ourselves and for others in the world is really the crux of everything. And, you know, I'm thinking, Right now about these huge world level problems we're seeing with Russia, with Ukraine, with uh, Palestine, with, you know, the U United States, there's everywhere there is, there is conflict, there's war. And recently I posted this prompt, this journal prompt on Instagram, like where are we at war inside our own self? And specifically the, the conflict that we encounter within tend to get projected out onto other people, right? In, in who we meet. And so it's like, there is this, there's this piece where we have to do that inner work and we have to be dedicated to, to that. But then also there is a whole other 
universe in another person and they have their war. It's not that their war is exactly the same as my war. There might be tons of similarities, but they have their own thing going on. So then it's like, how do I support that person? And how do I, how do I, you know, when I find respite from my war within to support them in their journey. And so, you know, spirituality, you're a, you're a yoga teacher. You speak on the bhakti tradition, the bhakti yoga tradition from India. One of the questions I had for you is how do you manage and navigate having a spiritual path with your partner? Because in the past, in former in, in previous relationships I was in, that could be a huge source of conflict because my identity, my sense of security, my belief system, my pride is all wrapped up in like how I practice or how I conceive of the divine and all this. And even if we're in the same religion or tradition, it's no two people have the same exact relationship. And so I was wondering if you could speak to a little bit about some of the challenges and also some of the solutions for how you navigate that. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important questions for those who are on a spiritual path and navigating relationship, or if one is focused on a spiritual path and the other might not be so. So I think for both. Um, and I'll speak to my own, from my own experience in my relationship and then what I've seen generally. Um, you know, early on in my path, to be frank, I don't think my wife would mind me sharing this. Um, I was really into the, the, the path, the journey. I was, you know, really into it. I, I was diving deep. <laughs> Enthusiastic. <laughs> Enthusiastic. To the max. <laughs> to the max. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't fanatical. I was just very enthusiastic. And, you know, my wife was was also on this path, but she was in a different place. And, you know, she she's a soul on her own journey and her relationship with God is unique. It's different than mine. And I do remember early on in that enthusiasm, I placed expectations on myself, which is is a whole other conversation. But then I started to place expectations on my partner. And honestly, it was the worst thing I could have ever done. Now, I'm not, I'm not shaming myself now or faulting myself, but in retrospect, after having deeper conversation with my wife, I saw that that actually created um, a lot of hurt in her, a lot of difficulty and blockage for our own connection and intimacy. And it also compromised her ability to feel good in her spiritual life. I mean, who wants to have someone comparing or judging, right, how you do your thing in anything? So what helped us is really, and it goes back to your first opening gamut, is continually checking in with where we're at and communicating clearly, trying to really be present with our path where we, where we feel we're at and then hold space for the other person where they're at without comparing, without it having to be like, you have to do it my way or the way it is done. Okay. Which is also something that can happen in spiritual practice. Let's have an open conversation about what we're really going through in our relationship with God and the spiritual path ongoingly. Because as I said earlier, and you had brought up, it's a dance and it shifts and changes. 
So I one recommendation, which is a general recommendation for couples, is the is communication practices that allow for you to hear your partner clearly without projecting, without without fixing, without saying, you know, what you're doing is wrong. You're not doing it right. It's very important. And the beauty of that is that it's very humbling because spiritual life, I mean, I'm not a spiritual master at all. I'm like a beginner, but I've noticed that it can, we, our ego can become um, attached to it actually. And sometimes we kind of get like, as maybe one of our teachers would say, puffed up (laughs) is the phrasing that's used by, um, one of the one of the the big you know a saint from the the bhakti tradition teacher of our teachers perhaps and you know we can become humbled and in awe of this other person and where they're at in their path mm-hmm. and learn to become more accepting and learn to become more attuned to the mystery of what's unfolding for them and it actually helps us to do the same for ourselves, you know. Um, it helps us to take a step back and, you know, be be more humble in where we're at and where we have our own stuff to work out, our own roadblocks. So I think ongoing frank conversation, and just to be more specific before I stop, is it could even be, Hey, uh, I'm going to be doing this practice today. Um, would you like to join me? How does that feel for you? Can you, you know, share with that with me? Oh, okay. Well, you'd like to, and it feels good. Okay. Why don't you, we come, Oh, you're feeling like right now that's not where you're aligned. Okay. So that there's an, an openness not a, a forcing or assuming that this is what we do or what we should do. There's always a checking in. And at the same time, there is a respect for individual paths so that I might be doing my thing and it's not a threat to my partner. It's not taking me away from my partner. Okay. I'm, I can do my practices, communicate them clearly and also see where my partner feel, feels in their heart about it, and they can do theirs, right? So that's it's real important um, because that's another thing that happens is that especially with couples who are in different stages in spiritual practice or one is quote-unquote on a practice spiritually and the other is not, is one partner can feel like they're cheating on them with God, Wow, which is 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 kind of crazy to say. I mean, I mean, it's crazy, but I have had that exact experience. So the fact that you're naming it is really helpful. So yeah, please continue. Yeah, which you know, which in a sense, in our tradition, is what we aspire to in one philosophical bent. Right? We want to, we want to in bhakti, we want our ultimate lover to be the divine. We really want to cheat, be cheating with God all the time. But when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of day-to-day life, we, we want to create 
between the two between the two people in relationship, a culture wherein both parties feel safe and held, and that I can do my practices without it being a threat, without it being holding it over the other person, without being disappointed by the other person, and allow it to be an open conversation about it. Because you might be thinking, Kaylee, oh, well, what if it is a threat? Or what if you are misaligned? Or some of the listeners might be saying, well, no, we're not misaligned. We are misaligned rather. Let it be a a place to create more intimacy by bearing your true feelings and thoughts about it. Let it connect you. Let, Let it build something instead of tear you apart or disconnect you. Just as Kaylee mentioned, in conflict generally, we can start to use it as a way to connect as opposed to disconnect. How could we paint like a, a picture here? So let's say someone, they consider themselves spiritual. They consider themselves on the path and they consider their partner sort of less spiritual, let's say, or not having a sadhana, you know, and, may, and maybe from, from the outside, it looks like that, like they don't read devotional literature. They don't do a daily meditation practice. They kind of are more um, focused on the, the day-to-day world events and things. How, how would, like, j- briefly, like, what would a role play look like to, to kind of build that understanding and that intimacy? Because I'm really fascinated by how that process might unfold. Yeah. And that's, your, Kaylee's example is maybe one that happens a lot. Um, and it sort of begs the question, does that create a relationship that can last or, do, it, or does it, does it necessitate that a relationship doesn't continue, you know, and every situation is unique. So I am giving generalizations, but I, I having talked also to other people who are in relationships like that, like what you just outlined, mm-hmm. I would often recommend or talk about how does your devotional practice, how does your reading and reflection, how does your connection with God, how can you see it in this relationship with the other person? And how can you see it in them and who they are, right? So you're not sort of focusing on what they're not doing. You're focusing on how the relationship and, and what, they, what they do otherwise in the world, how it actually can help you connect to the principles of your spiritual tradition, how they can, how it can, uh, you know, nurture them more and more. And what are some of those? Tolerance is a a big one in the, in the bhakti tradition, not taking offense, Uh, sharing each other's heart with each other, right? So even if you're not on a sadhana, that uh, your sadhana practice is not the same. You can practice sharing intimately each other's heart. And also it might mean that you share some of that uh, specific association with, you know, some other people in your life. And it's not shared as much in the same exact way with your partner. Okay. But that's also a dance because as I said earlier, we want to keep the relationship safe and secure. As one of my teachers would say, it should be um, 
a home base and a launching pad. That's Jason Gaddis, you know? So that's the dance, right? So for myself, I'll give an example. Um, there's, you know, some people in Philadelphia area that I really like to connect to with Sangha, which is spiritual community. And I long for it. I can't wait. And, you know, I can't wait to be back with them and sing and chant. Okay. My wife doesn't, might not be, I mean, she's into it, but she might not, it might not be her, her focus, you know, as much. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. But how do we both respect that difference and how do how does my spiritual yearning not be a detriment to the relationship Mm. how do i see then my partner my child i don't have a child but if i had a child i don't have a child yet uh my dog (laughs) how do i see them then if they're not chanting if they're not doing doing the exact things that i'm doing how do they see how do i see them as an extension of my spiritual practice in fact how do i see all of my relationships in the world in that way i, w- I would assume to some degree that's the goal of the spiritual practitioner especially if we're in and of the world is to bridge that gap and then finally it takes again to go back to the beginning of our conversation that checking in with yourself Checking in with yourself. What do I need to feel spiritually inspired? Where am I running dry? Am I acting a certain way with my partner or loved one out of some sort of like, you know, compulsion for them to do what I do or some scarcity or some comparison? Right. Or or is there some places where I don't feel like I'm getting spiritually fulfilled? Like I I need to, it it takes a, a a quite some self-honesty, I think. And, uh, humility. I should probably stop because I, this is a really big topic and I feel like it's something that is important to explore. Uh, so I I have so many notes right here. Yeah, no, this is, I'm, I'm really happy that we're getting into this and I hope that this is um, resonating for the listeners right now. I'm I'm sure it does for some of the listeners I know who are listening. Um, I want to go through a few things. So bear with me because you said so many wonderful things, but kind of working, working backwards, one relationship coach that I worked with once with a, a previous partner really helped me see where I was sort of judging my partner and their way of being and way of worshiping. And the way that she framed how we could, the the way the relationship coach framed how we could approach this was each of our ways of being spiritual or being in connection with the divine or God or creator, or even if you're not religious, or if you don't identify as spiritual, there is a value hierarchy. There's something that is at the top of your value hierarchy that mm. you are devoted to everyone. It's kind of impossible mm. to, to not have that. Um, it might just be, you know, being successful in life, you know, or it might be your family or it might be your job and your service and, and, and whatever your health even, but whatever that is, if we saw each of each of our ways as like a sacred chapel that we needed to enter with some reverence for, rather than sort of this, like, I'm going to turn my nose down at that person's chapel. And if I could enter, if I could approach it lightly like that, 
with sort of hum- the, and I want to go back to this humility thing that you're talking about, because if I could go into it humbly, I may be able to see something that I was blind to before. And, yes. you know, the, the humility piece is just so massive because going to this idea of the enthusiasm that we can sometimes feel when we find either, you know, the beginning of our spiritual path. Some people call it the spiritual awakening is a term that's very common, right? When we have a spiritual awakening, we get this huge dose of nectar fuel that's like it's meant to help us blast off of the planet, right? Then we get into the atmosphere, upper atmosphere, and we're like, wow, that's this is amazing. I found my thing. And then we we hit space, we like eject part of the shuttle booster, and then we're like, oh, we have like a billion light years to travel now. And there's comets and there's gravitational fields and black holes and, and, and other and aliens or whatever. There's all sorts of stuff in our way. And we realize it's a longer journey than just that initial blast off. And per, I'm only really speaking personally now is like, I have been there. I have been thought I was at a level of spiritual understanding that I was not at. I was just being given a little bit of a dose so that I could, you know, leave the planet. But then the humble piece comes where the universe shows up or mental health issues show up or a, a, a really painful breakup shows up or a fight happens and it shows me where I really am at. And so I think the humility piece is just so massive and it's so vital to to really cultivate that. And it's easy to forget. It's easy for my pride to take over and think, oh, now I'm at this other more fixed stage and I'm really... Now I'm advanced and spiritually awake. And then again, the universe puts, you know, helps me find my place where I'm really at. But this idea of like humbly approaching each other's spiritual practice with curiosity. And as you said, really listening. And you gave a really great tool. It's like how how to really listen to someone without this agenda, without this desire to kind of like prove them wrong. And then you drew this parallel of like, how can I see, how can I A, practice my principles, my, my spiritual principles in this relationship. So tolerance and, and patience and compassion and all that. But also I was getting this piece of like, okay, well, I'm waking up and I'm meditating. I'm doing this prayer. I I'm following these certain principles or this lifestyle or whatever. So now how is my partner doing that in their way? What are they devoted to? Maybe it's completely different than what I'm devoted to, but those virtues and or, or values might still be there. And then to kind of counter argue all of that, you also kind of shared like, is this relationship for me? Because we do need a level of discernment and not everyone is ultimately going to be beneficial for our ultimate path. And one of our, one of our teachers in our line who, who passed away many, 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 many years ago says this idea of progression means you will have some friends that turn to enemies and some enemies that turn to friends and we will find Mm. times of being alone. Like there's no real way if we are growing and progressing shifts happen. And so what we do need to be discerning about, is this really ultimately serving me in my goals and make, make that hard decision because it can really be, it can really be, not the right situation. And I have found myself in that where it really was, it was detrimental, but there's also plenty of lessons and plenty of opportunities to, to learn from, as you were saying, to practice what I'm 
preaching or to practice what I, what my ideal is with this, with this partner, who's very much like a, a training person. And then lastly, I want to just finish up with this idea of cheating with God, because I just remember this one conversation where I was basically saying that to, to my, my ex, I was like, I, God is my beloved. I want, I want to fully devote myself to God and be in love with God. And it triggered her so much. Wow. And at the time I judged her. Just totally like, oh, you don't get it because I had I've grown up in this. It's my whole mind and framework and mind mm. schema is built around this. But for someone who's not built around that, it's super unstable, insecure. Yeah, they're not insecure. The the that idea it makes them feel like not safe, which now I can understand. And and so I I don't think that we really have an answer for that except for like, as you were saying, where there is a, there's a dichotomy of like the spiritual ideal and the day to day, how do we build a partnership, a family, a business, a team with this idea of like, really the divine is my true, true, true love. And so, yeah, I I like everything you said. It's, it's really getting some gears turning for me. Yeah. And I, I appreciate what you're sharing and reflecting back. And also um, I love the, the analogy of the spaceship um, blasting us off. And I'm just going to say two things on that. Just, you know, it is interesting that the beginning of of spiritual life for many of us, that blast off that kind of like nectar download of being really like at this level to bring us into it. Like we often go past where we're at. It feels like, you know, we feel like we're real connected. We're awakened. And then we sort of land or at least we orbit and we're like, Oh, okay. Well actually now I'm on the path. It brought that, that boost brought me here, but there's a lot to work on. And I'm actually starting to see more shortcomings than a moment ago. I was seeing all the good things about what my, my path is showing. <laughs> and I think that's the humility piece is that um, we then start to see, and, and this is brought up in our tradition of bhakti, that, you know, how, how not qualified we are. And, you know, it's easy to say that in a way that makes us feel like we're beating ourselves up. But from my perspective, it's a, to look at it health, in a healthy way, like, yeah, let me see my blind spots. Like my spiritual path is asking me, like, let me explore. I'm actually not that qualified. I'm actually not that elevated. I, I, I just got boosted up for a little while. And it's interesting because it mirrors the beginning of a relationship neurobiologically where in the beginning of a relationship we're high on chemicals and we're in this crazy crazy romance and we're like this person's the i love them so it gets up thinking about them oh my god and then you all of a sudden land and you're like wait we're different people we have we trigger each other i got some shit to work out now the work begins mm-hmm. in both places. I mean, I can speak more from relationships. I don't want to say it with spiritual life because I'm not, I'm not an elevated teacher. So, uh, but in my humble little a bit of uh, experience on this on a path, that's what I see. That's where the work begins. And I love that you said or what the, your coach mentioned about, you know, uh, the two like walking into two, almost like I, in my mind, when you said that, like there's these two different spaces of worship that each person has. And when you said that, I just started to imagine my, my wife's. And I was just like amazed oh. because when I was early on and enthusiastic, instead of really seeing what she could teach me about God, mm. 
I was too caught up. And now I see shit. Sorry, I'm cursing them too much. I, I thought <laughs> I knew what was up. But now when, I, when I'm with my wife, I can see, whoa, she has this world that is an, a gateway into another way of understanding the divine that I was just blind to. Right now, that's not going to be the case for everyone, but I think it is important for us to hold some space for that. And that's where the humility, the humbleness, and a real openness to the world of this other soul in front of us. And if we're on a spiritual path and we say that that person's not spiritual, that's a lie, right? Because if, according to us, we're all spiritual beings and we're all walking each other home. We're all in different places in our journey. Who knows? We turn a corner and that spiritual seed gets watered even more, right? So I think we, we need to always be checked by that, you know? How do we know where we're at or someone else is at or not? You know, let me bear witness to that mystery. I just so, got really, ex- I really got worked up. Kelly. No, this I'm, is I'm great. Sorry, I'm just getting too excited here. This is why it's called Amplify What You Love. You got to get <laughs> amped up about it. Um, up. So I want to, I want to ask you some dating questions actually for those of us who are listening, who are awesome. single, who are, because you brought up this, the chemical dose that happens. The, there's a word also, not exactly that, but limerence. Have you heard, you know, this idea of like romantic infatuation yeah. it can also be like based on a trauma bond when you're trying to leave a relationship, all this stuff. But yeah. Yes. To, to finally just wrap up that thing you just said, there is a three-tier distinction in, in the bhakti yoga tradition that, that you and I follow, where there's these sort of three spiritual categories of, of a practitioner. Mm-hmm. You have like, it's called kanishta or like a beginner. You have the madhyam or intermediate and you have the uttam or like advanced. And one of the, the features of the advanced is that they literally cannot see any being as anything other than perfectly devoted to their divine uh, mm. supreme being, right? Like th- they they don't make distinctions. And actually it's kind of said that they they can seem sort of mad with not like angry, but like like crazy, like mad. They've gone mad in love of God. And they they just see every everyone as like a perfect offering towards the divine and the supreme. And and it's actually like you can't really conduct business that way can't really drive a car that way. Like it, you're not very functional in a worldly sense, but then the madhya, I'm going backwards. The intermediate does make distinction. They it's my, my teacher, my guru Dave says uh, it's like one foot on the ground and, and one foot in, in heaven or in the spiritual sky, I should say. And it's like, they, they make distinctions about people. And then the beginner kind of is, Maybe, you know, maybe you could even help me like define Kanishta more, but the beginner doesn't necessarily respect all in the same way. And they're like still working out kinks uh, in their own, in their own heart and stuff. And it's like, they make too many distinctions maybe. And they like, oh, you're not, a, you're not this or you're not that. And so I'm just realizing personally where I'm at by saying that. Uh, and, and yeah, so I, I just wanted to offer that as like a framework for this idea of like, how can we really know where anyone is at? And this idea that when we get to the really the top category, everyone is there already. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's a really interesting thing. But yeah, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about dating because it is so easy to become totally mad 
for a new person and a new energy. And, you know, obviously neurobiologically, serotonin is released, oxytocin is released, bonding hormones, like we are, we, we become drugged. And so I'm curious, like, when, especially if you work with people on this or, or like, what are some, what are some ways, especially as folks who are maybe more spiritually inclined, I would assume that some people are more gravitating towards that who listen to me and listen to the show. Like, how can we pace ourselves so that we can make better decisions and not get embroiled in something that ultimately uh, is not maybe conducive for our path? Yeah, that's a great question, especially like for someone who's who is actively dating and has like an intention in spiritual life that they want to keep, you know, keep pure, keep keep fixed in. Um, well, yeah, I could give some some recommendations for sure. Uh, I, I think one great one is to really understand uh, in in some part of your brain during the chemical romance, when you are flooded with these uh, chemicals that are bonding you to this other person, to understand that that is a stage, you know, so that takes a little bit of detachment, you know, in the sense of like, I'm, I'm in this, but let me get some perspective. Okay. Let me remember that this will change you know, and, and not to denigrate that romantic time because that's a beautiful time, obviously, but to also have a little perspective to, to, to zoom out a little bit. And then I would also recommend to prepare what your, uh, ideal relationship partnership is, is what your goals are, what your, what, what you mm -hmm. want. You know, and, and not, not as like a fantasy, like I want uh, this guy who's like six, five and he's, you know, he's got long hair and he's, you know, but whatever, but like to, to be just a, about more inherent principles of like, what do I want in a day-to-day -day relationship? Right. Which means after that romance, what do I, how do I want to land? Speaking of landing, how do I want to land with this person? What do I see our day-to-day -day life? Like, let me envision that. Let me. Uh, refine what that is. And then a big one that is sort of interesting and um, it's, it's actually sort of traditional in a sense is to vet the other person. Because if we're high on chemicals and then we're infatuated for a variety of reasons, um, if we can bring that person and their energy and, and our dynamic into the public realm, into realm, especially of those we trust, and we can say to our loved ones, this is a new person. I'm feeling these feelings. I want to move forward. But I want to ask you, can you be with us and feel out this person? And I'm open to your feedback. I'm not necessarily going to follow it, but I'm open to your feedback. That's a big step because most of us, when we're in that stage, we, we don't want anybody to say, don't date that person. Some of them might make us double down and be like, I'm going to date them just because you said that. <laughs> so let us be open to ones we really trust, family, friends, people who really know us, really know us. Because we have to surrender to sangha and community a little bit right and say okay these people know me they know they know me for some years what do they see happening here so that's a great checks and balance 
There's this idea of red flags, right? It's become way more popular. There's even like these memes with like the red flags now. It's like a thing. And what you just said is kind of mind blowing because it it is kind of counterintuitive as, as a traditional thing of like, oh, bring them around your family. And a lot of people are like, I don't, you don't get to be around my family until we're serious, right? But by that point, you're already attached. You're already bonded. It's really hard totally. to get out. And so I just really appreciate that because what I have come to realize because of the pandemic, because of transitioning out of different relationships and things is having a super solid support network, you know, and everything we're talking about, we're talking about in the, in the context of romantic partnership and relationship, but everything we're talking about works for regular, for regular, for platonic friendships, brotherhoods, sisterhoods, uh, folk hoods, like just relationships in general. And to kind of, build a stronger network of people who truly love and support us. And then when we meet someone that we care about and we bring them into that, it, it, it's just, it gives me the sense of relief hearing you speak about it as like, Oh yes, this is a absolutely great idea for how we can ap- actually um, safeguard against this crazy potential uh, chemical cocktail that just kind of deludes us from, from actually witnessing some things that could, really hurt our progress forward or even just not be a good fit for either person. And so I, I just, I think that's a really counterintuitive for today's age idea, but it's, I think we should bring that back is like, you know, like bring our new partners around the people we love the most. And like you said, be open to their feedback, which is probably the more challenging part. Yeah. I mean, even if it's, you know, it might not be family because family might be something for some of listeners out there that they're not really as close to, but uh, people who, yeah. And and I'm going to say two things to that. I actually think in saying that, that also points to us. I think it's a goal for those on a self growth path um, and on a spiritual path to have people in their lives that they can be that connected to that, that we can reveal each other's hearts to, and that call us forward that know us well, that hold us to a a high standard that we can check in with. I think we need that. And I think this is something that I'm stepping into. I'll be a little vulnerable. I'm stepping into uh, learning how to be more vulnerable to feedback from my peers, my, my loved ones, and to also give them feedback. My tendency is that I want everybody to be okay. I don't want to rock the boat. You know, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to say anything Same. that might hurt yeah. someone or, and I'm trying to step more into that because I see how the potential. Uh, and finally, I would also say when you're dating to look around at your partner's relationships. So they're a mirror, like who's close with them? What do they talk about? What do they do? What, how do they treat their friends? How do they treat their family? What's their family of origin like? Not that that means that if their family of origin is really, really tricky and difficult that you just don't date them, but just take all that into consideration, right? Take it because you're bringing all that with you, especially if you get hitched, you're, you're bringing all that with you. And as some of you might know, when you start to then go from the dating stage into committing to one another and moving forward in your relationship, all that stuff from their background and from your background gets shown like a mirror because the relationship holds it up to you. So all the hurt, all the patterns, the impossible trauma, it comes up 
and you have to face it. So it's nice to kind of take a little look first and say, okay, what's the dynamic here? I lucked out. My my I got I got more baggage that probably than my wife does. So she's the, she's the one she helps you carry it. it. <laughs> yeah, she helps me carry it. And, and you know you that's probably why I got into to the relationship coaching because um, when when we had areas that we got stuck in, um, I realized that we didn't we didn't have the tools to deal with it. And I also realized I didn't I didn't have the tools personally, and I wasn't working through stuff. And to go back to the first question, I was acting in ways that were that were at odds with my spiritual uh, desires or what these beautiful books were telling me I should act. So I was like, wait a second. I'm here doing this, this, and this. Speaking of a red flag, what a huge red flag. Why is this happening? You know, so from my point of view, learning about relationship tools was really helpful in me becoming a more integrated spiritual practitioner because some of those behaviors that are not uh, that are a, a block to my spiritual connection to my spiritual practice could start to be worked on mm-hmm. you know and I, I needed those extra tools to do so yeah this is perfect because one of the things I wanted to ask you and and we're kind of going in that direction is is building that community building that sangha and especially as as uh, souls identifying as male in this life at least like building brotherhood and building those safe relationships to support and challenge each other right and to give that feedback and i really resonate and relate to that i try not to rock the boat i am conflict avoidant yeah. And it is a it is a practice to try and lean into the discomfort, give hard feedback, receive hard feedback. One of my favorite books, which is not right next to me, is Thanks for the Feedback. And it talks all about all the different reasons. Anyone listening to the podcast, I've talked about the book probably several times on the show. And it talks about all the complications that happen when we receive and give feedback and all that. But I think one of the things that's coming up with the rise of men's work and men's groups is this idea of like, and I am speaking in like a heteronormative men way right now. And if you don't identify with that, um, I totally get that. And I think that these same things can be applied to a sisterhood without a doubt. I think that there's biological differences that will change maybe some of the practices or things but ultimately it's like being in a group of people who you feel uh, safe enough to let out your emotions your shadows your anger your love to challenge and support each other and hold each other accountable and yeah so i'm wondering as a relationship coach but as a teacher with a community like you've cultivated a community both in tucson as well as on the east coast and it's like yeah what What's that been like for you? And and how how do people, especially with COVID kind of shrinking everyone's social circle, how have you found best to cultivate this kind not like you need twenty thousand people in your in your inner circle, but how do we also build not just a romantic partnership, but a sturdy support network, like you're saying, a Sangha or like a community? Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful and a big question. And and I'll I'll, I'll answer in a couple ways, you know, from, from the kind of heteronormative male point of view. Um, you know, I do think that men's work, quote unquote, is super important um, because 
many men, uh, for a variety of reasons I won't get into, don't necessarily become born into a culture of manhood that gives them tools within which to become more vulnerable, more emotionally intelligent, to learn how to get and receive feedback, to be called forward. You know, there's like a frat, a fragility, right, to masculinity. So mm -hmm. I think that working with other men is important. And I also think that in, you know, if we're talking about a relationship too, like if you're in a more heteronormative relationship, if it's a girl guy or something that deals with that same energy, male, female energy, you know, however that plays out, if it's mm -hmm. like, you know, a different situation, uh, to, to also plug into that energy is real important you know, for the relationship to, to feel some of that brotherhood, I think is helpful bringing that back into the environment with your loved one. I think it's a really great learning experience, mm -hmm. a great way to process, but just, I mean, I guess generally speaking, if we're talking about cultivating community, um, I think it asks of us to get off our ass and, you know, because a lot of us, we get comfortable. It's a weird world we live in, especially with COVID. We can get comfortable, like just kind of sitting around, you know, being on online and, and, you know, we can create communities online. So I'll get into that, but we want to step off our ass or stay on our ass when we're online and just put ourselves out there, right? Put ourselves out into the vulnerable situation where we're meeting new people and we're attuning just like the just like the dating a little bit to our value system. You know, I'm here. I really am ready to put myself out there and be open to people that align my value system and to explore and to maybe be disappointed and to maybe it gets messy, but to move warrior forward. And find those people. There's a men's circle here in Tucson that I started to go to. And I love it because every time I'm driving over to it, I feel like, I don't know what's going to happen tonight. What, what am I going to get into? Who are these people? What's going to go on? What am I going to be exposed to? What are they going to talk? And I love that feeling. I lo really love that feeling. So yeah, I would say again, for people to get off their butts, get out there, become vulnerable and uh, explore. And you know what? Maybe like journal about it, like become reflective. Th this group of people, these are the dynamics I see happening. Is that aligning with what I want in my life? Where is there other opportunities to be around people that not only align my value systems, but call me forward? Uh, and, and, you know, th those could include spiritual communities. They could also not include them. You know, we have to really be honest or, or, or parts of them might not feed us depending on where we're at, where we live. So it's like the on that ongoing process to come back to in the beginning of the show where we wake up and we tune in who that's around me in my life. What are they bringing up? What are they calling me into? You know, how are they calling me forward or not? And finally, to your point about, you know, maybe, maybe we're both a little conflict avoidant. That's why Kelly and I love each other so much because <laughs> there's never any conflict. <laughs> then one day it's just going to be like, oh, we're, we're going to have to give each other feedback after this and challenge each yeah. other on something, I guess. So, <laughs> totally, totally. Um, is to, you know, uh, like check in and see if that's, 
happening. You know what I mean? To like make this a conscious practice. Okay. Am I, am I being challenged? Am I willing to get and give feedback? Um, you know, I, I had this during this men's circle, I had this great, this guy come up to me. It was so cool at the end. And he said, Oh, you do relationship coaching. I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, my, my partner and I might want to work with you someday. Uh, I'm in a stage in my life where I just want to have people like pointing out my blind spots. Mm. I just want to, I want to get it. And I was like, and he was like, I think a little younger. And I was like, man, yeah, brother, you're, you're inspiring me that with that attitude. So yeah, that's my long winded short answer. I don't know how you're feeling with that. I feel great with that. I mean, there is so much treasure in the feedback, even if it's wrong to a certain extent. In in the book I was mentioning before, they say that we're all given when we're when God gave us this little acre, and that's our acre. It's our emotional, spiritual landscape. It's our acre, and there's a little gate mm. at the front. And boundaries around feedback are like we we ex- we want to accept some people in to give us feedback. We but there you know there is a line sometimes where how good or perfect can we become? And at a certain point, sometimes feedback can be damaging. It can be destructive when it's really like um, attacking our personhood. When it's yeah. too much and we didn't and it's not consensual. And and there's many examples, but. There is, for instance, there's like really well-meaning feedback that's not welcome and it can be redirected and it could be like, look, I see that you're trying to give me feedback on this part of my icker, but like that, I'm not open to that. However, I really appreciate that. And could you talk to me about this part over here? That's what I'm open to right now. And so just hearing you say all that, it, it makes me realize just the, the subtleties of challenging people. And the truth of the matter is like we can be really similar to each other and we can be very, very different. And so I think when, for instance, men get into a big group together and work with each other, so many different energies at play and you're bound to get different personality types. There's this idea of the alpha male, right? There'll, there'll be some sort of power dynamic power struggle at some point where, you know, someone is more aggressive or assertive or domineering or whatever. And I think that probably these, the men's circles, um, help to navigate all that, especially when they're led by high integrity men who are aware of that and are using that intentionally to kind of play with that energy. Because ultimately, and I think this, the, you know, this ties back into our spiritual roots, which is like, if God is the ultimate, uh, there's a word perush or like the ultimate alpha energy, Right. And, 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 you know, now kind of getting into the esoteric weeds here, but in our tradition, it is a, it is a duo. It is the divine couple. So the, Mm -hmm. the Supreme is, is two as one, but God is, is called the Purush or like the, the main doer, the main controller, the main uh, autocrat. And that is sort of how we experience the universe. The universe can come at us sometimes with like a ton of aggression and a ton of chaos. And, and no matter how strong or powerful we are tying back to the humility thing, we can always be put back in our place. And I guess just being, being around challenge energy and strong energy, it does sharpen us. And um, I, I haven't done a lot of just straight up men's work with other men. Um, the closest thing is martial arts training. 
you know, and, and, mm. and sometimes there's plenty of women there, but oftentimes it's like more of a group of guys in, in my gym that I've trained at. Uh, and yeah, just kind of sharpening each other on each other. Right. It's like, you're, you're giving your body to this, to this brother and you're, you're basically like, we could hurt each other. We could, we're both going to try not to, but we also need to give each other some, some, you know, impact, some pressure. We need to give each other some pressure because by giving each other pressure, we're going to be able to hone our ability to act, not react, but to choose how we act under pressure. My buddy, Nick, who I want to have on the podcast soon, um, he was talking to me about this, just like the ability to operate under pressure. You don't really learn that unless you practice and train under pressure. And so I think that that's the, the benefit of these groups. Yeah. And I think like to that point, like if, if the, like you had mentioned, if the leader has a intention, is sincere and has integrity, like the, the sacredness of that circle promotes like uh, a, a man sharpening man idea that we are pushing our edge, but there is like that dog eat dog or kind of, you were saying like alpha dog competitive idea between manhood starts to dissolve uh, ideally. And then we start to see each other in our difference, no matter what style we are, no matter what kind of like alpha beta male we are. And we maybe start to see how instead of it being like, I have, I want to have power over you in manhood or in that dynamic. Instead, we are we bear witness to each other's power, and we try to hold each other up to that power and develop it more, and then also start to see it as we are here to offer that power that we have as men in service to all or into service to what links us. You know, I was in one men's circle and it felt like, you know, like we were banded together almost like we would be as like a tribe or something, you know, for lack of a better word. And we were there for offering up whatever we had to something bigger in service of that, not over each other. And I think that's like a learned a visceral learned experience, like meaning to what you were saying, like we need our, even our nervous systems to start to feel that more and more because sometimes in toxic masculinity and in, in how we were raised, we just don't feel that in our bodies. And we're used to trying to vie for power with other men and make it an ongoing competition. So some of these men's circles, I think have that ability to, to transform and, in that way. And then we go back, you know, and we go back to our lives and we can hopefully try to remember some of that, you know? Yes. I don't know if that makes sense. I think it does. I, I am curious how it all lands for our listeners here, but I feel, I feel sort of soothed just talking about the different things at play and what it, what it reminds me of is it doesn't matter how alpha you are, you have an inner child in you <laughs> and yeah. you have traumas and pains and wounds from life. Like no one gets out of being alive. No, uh, no one gets out alive of life. Right. So we all, ha- we all get scarred and, and dinged up along the way. And, you know, one of the, th- one of the probably greatest tools that I have been taking shelter of lately is inner child work. 
Um, and I know that is a staple in certain men's groups that I've, I've followed at least through the internet, that that's a, that's a big part. And oftentimes men kind of shut down. I'm sure women and non-binary folk do it too. Uh, but I'm just going to speak for, for myself that like I have shut down certain parts of myself at certain ages, whether because of folks or uh, like my parents or other people or whatever. And then that, that kind of uh, disowning of a part persists throughout my life. And so one example that um, one relationship coach, Bryce Bauer, who's really awesome and I've gotten so much support from him. He's really been helpful. Um, He has a podcast called the advanced relationship podcast with his wife, Jenny. And he, he brought up this idea that oftentimes so there's this thing called posturing that is when we, you know, you can fight, you can flee, you can freeze. Posturing is more like, you know, in a sense, the fight response and, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're attacking someone. It could just, you know, the guy puffing up their chest or being like, yeah, well, you think that, right? Oftentimes that is fear. And we posture because we're afraid. And that's something that I've heard Bryce say over and over again. And it really stuck with me. And so that that inner work that has to be done by all men, whether they consider themselves alpha, omega, beta, doesn't matter. It's like we have parts that are not grown, that need our love, that need our attention, that need our camera to be focused on our face here. <laughs> um and it, it's an interesting metaphor, like they need our attention. And so that's that's been some of the work I have been doing as of late is getting into touch. And like you said, dialoguing and journaling and understanding, like, what are those needs? How can I give them to myself? And so I wanted to take this opportunity to ask you a listener submitted question that I just thought was so beautiful, which is like, how does one cultivate a sense of union within because we talked about romantic relationship. We talked about a platonic relationship or community, building community. We've just talked about men's work. And, and all of that is sort of our relationship with others or the outside world. So this question, how do we cultivate a sense of union within? And I wanted to offer that to you and see what your thoughts were. Yeah, it's a, it's a big question. And, you know, since you had talked about inner child work, one beautiful practice that I have been bringing into my own life and to some of my clients' life is some of the internal family systems work, which I don't know if you're, which is basically will you, will you tell us work. all, yeah, tell, tell us about that system and how you, yeah, use it was, it, it was developed by Dick Schwartz and he's got a great book out there for those who want to check it out called No Bad Parts. Um, and the, the beautiful thing is it actually aligns with, can align with a spiritual, uh, paradigm with mo- at least with mine, it, it aligns fairly well and aligns with others. And the idea is that there we are, uh, he calls it the self with a capital S. I would call it we are the soul. We're a soul, right? And they are, there are parts of us to, to Kaylee's point that are, have been wounded, that have been hurt, and they develop, those parts develop like protectors within which to, uh, you know, protect that wounded part because it's sensitive. It's, it's, you know, like the, the man analogy you gave, right? Some of that posturing is actually there to protect a, a, a hurt child. So in this meditation, 
we try to take on the point of view of the integrated self, that there is a, a self or a soul and philosophically that these parts, these parts aren't essentially who we are, right? But they are blocking, they, the, not being able to integrate them actually allows us not to access the soul. So we create a meditation wherein we, and this is my variation of it, you can learn more about it in the book, wherein you link to this part, place in yourself that can see your inner child, that can see this part of you, that can bear witness to this time in your life or to this one moment and ongoingly create a relationship with that part. And in that relationship, hold space to see, is there also something, another part of myself, protecting that child, which is usually a pattern that we, every single person who's listening to this podcast, has developed to survive. Every single person has been, has had some hurt and develops a protector to survive. So what this work is about is first to get to know the protector and ask the protector if it's okay to actually end up being with this child and just loving, holding, accepting, hearing this child. And the beautiful thing about this uh, work is that the protector has a role and you've been using a lot of your energy, your Shakti to uh, bring that out. You know, if it's the man, men, men example in, in posturing and being the big man on campus, or if it's working in a certain way or navigating relationships in a certain way or whatever it might be. The challenging part is that protector starts to see that in the healing process. That it's, it no longer works. It's no longer needed once we start to heal and attend to that child. But the beautiful thing is that that protector then can take on a new role as the system integrates. And that part of yourself that was a block to the soul, to who you really are, to your integrated self, to wholeness, can then become dovetailed or become empowered to bring you to the next stage in your healing and, and really in, in your success in life and your relationships. So that's one thing that I've really been getting into personally. And I'll give you one more example connected to it, okay, in my own life. How does this happen? And again, read the book, but quickly, notice... If you're in a situation and you get triggered, okay, take the time either right after or, or then if you can step away to learn, and this is another meditation that I add on to it, but we'll say it simply to learn to be with the feeling, not hide it, not become overwhelmed by it, and then see where this part of you might be kind of calling out in relation to that trigger, right? Might be saying, you know, crying out, calling out. And then go through that meditation to be with the child, give some love, some presence, 
And if there's a protector that comes and says, you can't do that, then be with that protector. Get to know what that protector is saying. And yeah, it's a great, it's a great meditation. I've been really, really into it. It's super helpful in my own life, my own stuff, because in relationships, you know, as a relationship coach and someone navigating my own uh, relationship, all this will come up, right? Mm -hmm. So it's great to have tools. And then furthermore, generally speaking, I would say it's really important to be, learn to be, if you're like, that's too complicated, Damodar. I don't know what, I don't know what you just said is it's too much to learn to just be with ourselves, to slow down and learn to be with ourselves. That's a great way to connect. And in so doing, how can you also slow down if we're going to talk about it in the macro level and explore what it's like to have a relationship to your own self internally and to something bigger. Like, what does that mean for you? What, what does it mean to have a relationship with yourself? What does it mean to have a relationship with something bigger, with the universe, with the cosmos, with the divine, with God, with goddess, with, with Krishna, with Allah? What, what, is, what does that, whatever name, Mother Nature, Bhumi, what, what is that? Just explore it. I just get excited thinking about it. I, I'm sorry. I just, you know, this is what it amplify. We're getting amped up. Amplify what you love. We're bringing it, bringing the energy. Bringing it. So, we, you know, we, we, and we have to make it a practice. So, you know, Kaylee and I have a practice of mantra meditation that I think helps us in that path with our relationship with something bigger. So we chant mantra on a regular basis every day. But if it's if it's that, if it's mantra meditation, we chant the Maha Mantra, or if it's another practice that you've heard of or you want to explore. So I, I would recommend that. And I would also recommend the previous meditation or some space where you can be with you. Be with you. And that's like so difficult. It sounds simple. It sounds like, you know, oh yeah, just be on my, it's very difficult. I teach yoga and I can even see that people have a hard time being in Shavasana because it's confronting because they have to just be present with themselves. Thank you for sharing all of that about the uh, internal family systems, because I have been very curious to kind of uh, multiple therapists I've worked with have used it with me, but I've never read that book and I've never done a, a full deep dive. And so I really love that you you kind of name the protector energy because that what it's showing to me is that part that can kind of prevent us from being with our child parts or other other wounded parts. Uh, there there is a there's a barrier sometimes and it could be like, oh, this isn't working or this is weak or that is actually a true thing that you need to be ashamed about or, or be down on or, or so many different things could come up. And so naming it as, oh, there's a protective part that that we've adapted and 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 had to call in in order to survive and then being with that. And so for those listening, I know there's a ton of you listening who've done this work and are doing this work. And if anyone's listening hasn't done this work, if it does seem like overwhelming, I mean, I've had to do this work with someone facilitating it. And yeah. that has been really helpful uh, to kind of keep a, a, a tether to 
what what's supposed to be done but i really you know just to underline it again it's like when the trigger comes up and i'll i'll just you know today i got triggered because of a dating app thing where there was someone i was kind of vibing with and i was like i want to meet you let's go for a walk and then they're like oh that's too soon i don't think i'm feeling it anymore and i got totally triggered so i sat down and i was like okay here it is here's the uncomfortable feeling i totally feel i i knew I was identified enough with my my kind of grounded self to be like, okay, I know I'm triggered. I know that this is kind of shaking my my steadiness here. What's going on? Like what needs to be there? And I knew I needed to be with that part of myself that's worried about being alone forever and being abandoned and no one will love me. And all there's all this, all these voices or this voice that needs the love that I'm kind of looking for outside, right? And so my practice is really to kind of how would I speak to my eight-year-old, you know, or my 12-year-old, or how would I speak to someone at that age, kind of in that wounded space who needs my support and to try and give that to myself. Yeah, you're basically like giving, giving, it, giving that part of yourself, that eight-year-old, what you were not given when you were younger. You're learning to like reparent and become whole instead of perpetuating that wound moving forward. And as you said so well, we often look externally for that, right? But a lot of this work is asking of us to go back inside and give it to ourselves. Yes. Just Amen. give it to ourselves. That's it's very difficult, but it's such a beautiful practice. And That's I the love union. Yeah, that's the, there you go. That's some union. Yeah. To really give it to yourself, which is really the soul bringing us back into our wholeness. If you think about it, because the soul is, is the part of us who is giving it to ourself, mm. right? That divine essence. So these so triggers I love your are, example. Yes. Well, these triggers yeah. are, are divine guests, right? As Rumi says, yes. from the other side, sent to help remind us. And the truth is we could, I could talk to you for hours and hours. I will have you back on again and many times, hopefully in the future. Uh, but for now, I would love it. I would love it because I really want my audience to get more of your, of, of the wisdom that you've collected and the treasures that you're sharing. So could you please tell them a little bit about your podcast, where they could find you and work with you and how you do that. And yeah, just, just share a little bit of how they could further connect with you. Thank you so much, brother. Yeah. I am really, really honored and happy to have a podcast called the empowered connection podcast. And I owe Kaylee so much gratitude to helping me on that journey and bringing it forward. It's been something, you know, it's a whole other topic. It's been very confronting and vulnerable. And uh, there's been feedback that's also been, you know, confronting and vulnerable. It's been beautiful. Um, but I really am loving it. And uh, the, the gist of the podcast is bringing on guests. And also I have some solo podcast episodes to help the listener learn how to connect more fully to themselves, to each other in a relationship and to something greater. Kind of all the things we covered in this interview. These are the things that really excite me. And you know, the, the weedy areas, like you use the term weediness, where, where they intersect and where they become confusing, where all those three things might intersect or, you know, how to navigate more masterfully those realms and to bring people on to share their story. So I'm excited to have Kaylee come on pretty soon. We'll, we'll schedule that. And so we've had other healers, yogi seekers, musicians, artists, coaches, mental health professionals who come on the show and give some of their perspective 
um, yeah, that's that's what I that's what I love to do. It's what I love to talk about. So I'd be honored if anybody out there went to the show and gave it a, a few moments of your precious time. There's a big saw right now in the back, but Damodar, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your experience, being vulnerable, being a brother, being on here. I'm so pleased to get to share our conversations with others and and not be greedy with them because they've they've been really nourishing for me. So thank you so much. Kaylee, always a pleasure to be with you. And thank you for bringing some great questions and just stirring that pot. I'm really, um, I'm feeling very inspired. So. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you in the future. All right. Much love, brother. Hare Krishna. All right, everyone. Wow, that was really fun. I hope that you got a lot of value out of that conversation. And I wanted to leave you with an action step. So as Damodar said, journaling and and being with ourselves in moments of being triggered or frustrated or angry is a really valuable practice. And I can speak for myself that sometimes it's when I least want to be with myself. But my action step, my invitation for you is that next time you experience a triggering event, maybe you have a fight with your partner or something happens in life where it just throws you off and you feel off balance, if you can catch yourself, try to set the phone down or set a timer and to accept that I feel this way now and I want to I want to dialogue with what's going on. Why do I feel this way? What do I need? This is the question he was saying. What do I need from myself right now? And if you take it even further, you can try and identify what age do I feel right now? And is this triggering like a younger part, an older part, the protector? You know, maybe maybe you even get this book, No Bad Parts by Dick Schwartz, and I'll put all the links in the show notes. But this is an opportunity to increase our capacity to be with difficult feelings. And so, yes, I invite you to try this out. Let me know how it goes. If you do it, you can find me on Instagram at the podcast farm at k.leemarks, L-E-E-M-A-R-K-S. That's my personal Instagram. And thank you again so much for listening. And if you would like to support this show, All I am requesting is that you either take a screenshot of the podcast and post it to your socials and link people to the show. You can even screen record a video snippet of your favorite part of the episode, whatever works for you. It always means so much when you share these episodes in your stories. It just spreads the message and other people can, uh, you know, find out that this is happening and helps the show grow. So really appreciate your time listening. Thank you for bearing with me as I am rebranding this show and welcome again to Amplify What You Love. I hope that you are enjoying these new episodes and I'll catch you on the next one. Take care. rare opportunity right now there has never been a time like this before where we've been able to so easily share our voices with the world and the planet is going through an enormous struggle and an enormous transformation right now 
it's my belief that the best way forward is for each of us to find our purpose, to share our passions, and to communicate with each other so that we can amplify what we love, who we love, and those voices that need to be elevated. We turn up the volume. This isn't just another course. This is a community that will take you to the next level. You'll be guided to launch your own podcast and distribute it so that the entire world can hear it. This isn't just launching a podcast, my friends. This is about using the power of your voice to amplify what you love.